We're excited as we start this new year and this message today about lead like Jesus. And um, I just want to ask you this question right from the top. Do you know it's possible to lead like Jesus? I mean, do you really know and understand that it is possible to lead like him? And I, and I hope that you do. As we look through God's word, I want to let you know we're going to be covering a lot of scripture, a lot of ground today. So if you have the mobile app, it's probably a great thing that you've downloaded that. Take a look at that. Fill in. If you're taking notes, get out that pen and piece of paper now as uh, we get prepared to go through this message in the next few moments. I just want to let you know that leadership is one of the key essentials in helping us become all that God wants us to become in our lives. In fact, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says this, without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. How many of you know the word of the Lord says that? Without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. That's God's word to us. And that's very true for every single area of our lives. Without wise leadership, a family is in trouble. Without it, our business is in trouble. Without it, our communities are in trouble. Without it, our church is in trouble. And our world ultimately is in trouble if we do not have wise leadership because everything rises and falls on the leader. And so we're gonna begin this series on leadership today for the next three weeks as we look at God's word and how to be the kind of leader that God's intended for us to be in our lives. We have three big leadership problems in our culture and in our world today. The first one is we've lost the difference between a celebrity and a leader. How many of you with me say yes? They are not the same. Celebrities are simply famous. I'm not taking away anything from their life, uh, and I know that God has created them. Leaders get things done. We, we've got far too many celebrities and not enough leaders in the world we live in. Would you agree with that? We don't need any more celebrities in our world who are famous just for being famous. We need leaders who get things done. The second problem is there's a real shortage of godly good leadership around the world. There aren't enough good leaders in the world. The third problem is, is we have the wrong kind of leaders in many areas today. We have the wrong kind of leaders in so many areas. I also understand with that too, we have right kind of leaders in areas as well. But, but more importantly, as we look at this, we know there's the wrong kind of leaders in media, in sports, in entertainment, in business, education, in so many areas. And if you've never thought of yourself as a leader, I want you to realize that you are a leader, and leadership is, is one word. It is influence. Can you say that with me? Influence. Leadership is influence. And anytime you influence anybody, you're the leader. Did you know that? So the question is not whether you're a leader or not. The question is, are you a good one or are you a lousy one? That's the key question and the kicker. Are you a godly leader or are you a poor leader? Anytime you interact with anybody, you influence them. So every time you interact with anybody on the role of leadership, in that very moment, you are influencing them. The Bible says that if you're a believer, God expects for you to lead for good and for God. Now, we can influence people in another way as well, in a very bad way. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants you to be a leader of others in the right direction. To be a leader of others in the right direction for good, for God, and for his glory is the right direction. So we're going to spend these next three weeks 
And I pray that uh, you would lean in. I pray that you would take notes. I pray that your heart would be open as we come and we talk about these biblical areas of leadership, that God wants us to become leaders and better leaders in our home and with our friends, with our small group, in our mentoring groups, with your business, your job, in your school, whatever it is, in this community. God says, I want you, you're a believer, you're one of my children, and I want you to lead others for good. I want you to influence them rather than them influencing you. My prayer is that godly leaders would be raised up at Abundant Life Church. Oh, we have leaders here already, I get that. But I pray that God would multiply the leadership effect in this church like never before in this new year, because we need it. Now, there are no perfect leaders in the world. I am not a perfect leader, you're not a perfect leader, nobody is. The only perfect leader is Jesus Christ. But at least you and I are making the effort towards it. That's what's important. I would certainly rather have people following you than some rock star that's not trying at all. Does that make sense? I believe God is going to raise up, and we've been praying for this, a new and the greatest generation of leaders out of this church. How many of you know that we can pray that and believe that? That the greatest amount of leaders, we can say, God, we want raised up through Abundant Life Church. And I think that's why you're here today. You, that you're here to lean in. As we talk today, there's seven principles from the life of Jesus Christ that, that I want to talk to you right up front about and let you know this. We're not going to be able to cover all of them, but we're going to cover seven of them. Seven principles of Jesus from the life of who he is and why he is a good leader. The first principle of leadership that God wants to build into your life is the principle of identification. Can you say that with me? Identification. I must know who I am. I must know who I am. That's the foundation of leadership. I must know who I am. That is the starting point. Warren Bennis, the USC professor, who's written a couple dozen books on leadership, calls this self-awareness. That there is a self-awareness that you must have, and I must have as a leader, that all good and great leaders know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. They must know their strengths, they must know their weaknesses, and they must accept their strengths and they must admit their weaknesses. And you and I are a bundle of both of them. Leadership is not ignoring one in favor of the other, though. It's, it's, it's being honest, though, about both of them. Good leaders don't try to be something they are not, but they are self-aware, they know who they are. Jesus had no doubts about his identity. If you look at scripture, he says many times, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the son of God. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the bread of life. I just listed a few. The fact is that 18 times Jesus defines himself in the New Testament as I am, and he goes on and tells us who he is. Jesus knew exactly who he was. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to start with the foundational issue of knowing who you are. Who are you? Leaders do not look to other people for validation. How many of you are with me? He said, I testify on my own behalf. That was Jesus. He said, I testify on my own behalf. What in the world did he mean by that? He's saying, I don't depend on other people's opinion to tell me who I am. I know who I am. I know exactly who I am. I know my own story, and I tell that story. And so this is so important and foundational. If you don't know what God 
has made you to be, then you're going to fall in one of three traps. The first one is, if you, if you allow that to happen and you don't know who you are, you will allow other people to define that in your life, to manipulate you into their expectations for your life. In other words, you will allow other people to mold you into their image instead of what God has created you to be, and other people will force you into their mold. If you don't decide who you are, other people will. How many of you found that to be true in your life? You know, if you don't decide who you are, other people will be sure glad to do it. That's for sure. So God has a plan for your life, but so does everybody else. How many of you found that to be true? God has a plan, but so does everybody else. Other people try to pressure you into the molds of their expectations that you'll live up or live down. The second thing is you'll start living a phony life. See, if you don't know how to define who you are and what you're called to do, you will live a lie for the rest of your days. When you don't know how to live, you're going to live one way for this person, one way for that person. You're going to live one way on Sunday morning, another way on, uh, on Monday morning, right? You don't really know who you are, and as a result, what happens is you begin to live a lie. You live phoniness. You wear a mask. You pretend. You're a hypocrite. You're always pretending. You're in, it inevitably, inevitably leads you to the third trap, which is stress. I mean, if you're constantly trying to live up to people's expectations, up, down, all around, stress happens. Stress happens in your life when you, when you don't even know who you are. I mean, have you ever met somebody who's not even comfortable in their own skin? I mean, really? Have you seen that? They're, they're not even comfortable with who they are on the inside. They're, you know, they're just jittery all the time. They're not even comfortable with who they are. They mask it up. And, you know, they keep up these presumptions that they don't want to let you get close. They're afraid to, you know, that they're going to let you down and, and to really, rather than be the authentic, real you. There are two things that will limit your leadership and will weaken your identity. They are comparing and copying. First, comparing. God says over and over again in Scripture, don't do this because it's dumb. Listen, there's nobody else like you in the world. God didn't make you to be anybody else. I hope you know that. When you get to heaven, God isn't going to say, why weren't you more like so-and-so? No, why weren't you more like you, who I've created you to be? You're not one in a million. You're one in over seven billion people on planet Earth that has a unique identity in Jesus Christ, that we need to know that. There's never been anybody before, after, or right now just like you. Even twins are different. So God says, don't even compare yourself to one another. The second is, I'm not going to copy. You know, God doesn't like clones. If God wanted a clone of your life, he would have created a clone. He's the creator. He could have done it. No, you're original, one of a kind, before the Father in heaven. Be yourself. So that's an important point. that We have to know who we are. Second, clarification. Can you say Clarification. I must know what I want to accomplish. I must clarify what God has called me to do in my life. This is so important because the direction of your life is your choice. The direction of your life is your choice right now. And every single moment that you live, you make that choice. Nobody can make it for you. You make it for you. If you don't like the direction your life is headed right now, change it. Come on, you're at the top of a new year. You need to come and know, if you don't like the direction you are heading, sir, ma'am, young person, child in this room, you can change the direction right now. You don't even have to wait. 
you can do it right here in this service. You can say, I am deciding right now that I am going to go this way. Nobody's got a gun up to your head. Nobody's making you a victim. Nobody's forcing you to go a certain way. If you don't like that direction, change it now. And leaders know not only who they are, they know where they're headed, right? What God has called them to do. You know, Jesus, he was such a straightforward leader. John 8 says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. That's what Jesus said of his own life. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going for sure. Do you ever get to the end of the day and think, did I accomplish anything today? Can I just, in all honesty, just see your hands? How many of you, you boy, we got a lot more honest people in this service than the last service because I about had a prayer meeting. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. And those of you that didn't, you're a liar. So anyways, I'm just gonna put that right out there. You're not that good and neither am I. You know, there's a big difference between activity and productivity. You can be busy just spinning in circles right? See, there's a difference between activity and productivity in our lives. You can be busy doing a lot of things, but it doesn't mean it's productive. Beware of the busyness that binds your life and you never get anything done. You're, you're just activity without productivity. What's the difference? What turns activity into productivity is purpose. You have a purpose. You know what you're doing. You know why you're doing it. You're strategic just like Jesus was. He was not only straightforward, he was a strategic leader. This is an amazing verse, Matthew 10, 16. He said, be shrewd as serpents as innocent as doves. Jesus said this to his followers immediately. I mean, really? That doesn't sound Christ-like. Be shrewd? What is he saying here? Be shrewd to his very followers. He's not saying be rude. What he's saying is you need to be definitive with your actions. You need to be decisive with your choices and you need to be shrewd about it because he knew there were a lot of things trying to get into people's lives and tell them what to do and harmless as doves. He's talking, talking to his own people. That's what it means to be Christ-like. So we see Jesus had a clear purpose. He knew, he knew this, you know, you're going to be out there and you're going to do life, but you need to have life with a purpose. And Jesus was a purpose-driven leader. Luke 4 says, I must proclaim the good news for I was sent for this purpose. That is a purpose statement from the heart of Jesus Christ. You know why I'm here? I must proclaim the good news because I was sent for this purpose. Notice he says, I have a purpose and I must fulfill it. Is there a purpose in your life that you are going after today? It really is bigger than you and me. You know, the first recorded words of Jesus, he was 12 years old and he said this. I want you to get this young people in this room. He wasn't even a teenager yet. He was 12 years of age and he said, I must be about my father's business. At 12 years old, you can make a definitive decision today to say, I must be about the father's business in heaven. You don't have to wait till you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of age. You can do it right now, as young as you are, that you can be about the Father's business. I can be about it. And what's amazing is, that's his first words, and, and then his last words, it is finished. Friends, those are the bookends of a successful life. And we know that what, he wasn't ultimately finished because he was resurrected of what we celebrated today, but those are the bookends of a very successful life. Then comes the third principle of Jesus, motivation. Say that with me, motivation. 
Motivation is not knowing who you are or know what you want to accomplish, but know who you're trying to please. Who are you trying to please? This is so important to settle the issue of motivation in your life that you and I can't please everybody. How many of you understand that? You and I can't please everybody. How many of you figured that out? You figured that out? You can't please everybody, so stop doing it. You know, just about the time you get crowd A happy, crowd B is ticked off. And then once you get and vice versa, oh, B's happy, well, A's ticked off. You know, we got so many people in this room today. I mean, some of you are going to root for one NFL team and the other room for another NFL team today. 50% of you are going to be ticked off. I'm just going to let you know it. And by the way, here's what's going to happen. One team's going to win and one team's going to lose. Well, there we go. Somebody's always going to be happy. Somebody's always going to be mad about something. The problem is we don't like that because we want to please everybody. Oh, yeah, we do. I want to make everybody happy, and that sounds great, but even Jesus didn't make everybody happy. Even God didn't please everybody. You got to look at it. That's the scriptures. Only a fool would try to do what God can't do. It's dumb. So you can't please everybody, but you got to figure this out and know this. Leadership is the art of managing disappointment. I want you to write that down. Leadership is the art of managing disappointment. That's what it is. It's the art of managing disappointment. I am acutely aware as a leader that I'm constantly disappointing a lot of people because I can't please everybody. Every time I say yes to one appointment, I say no to six others. Every time I say yes to one phone call, I say no to a couple other or maybe a dozen phone calls that I'm not going to be able to take on. Every time I say yes to one project, I'm saying no to another project. You cannot, and Jesus could not please everybody because everybody has a different expectation of you. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to ask God to give you tough skin and a tender heart. Are you with me? You know, you're going to have to have the hide of a rhino to go about and do leadership. It's not easy. But also, he says not only that, that that you need to have a tender heart because Jesus was a tender warrior. On the outside, he was tough. He portrayed that in his life, but he was also tender. You would not worry about what people are saying about you. How did Jesus handle this? He lived for an audience of one. All he tried to do was please the Father in heaven. John 5 says, I only try to please the one who sent me. That's it. I only try to please one because he matters. He said, listen, I'm not out to win a popularity contest, Jesus says. I'm just trying to please one person, and that is my Father in heaven. Every one of us have to learn the same lesson. If you're going to be an effective leader, you have to learn not to care about so many different opinions, but only God's opinion and focus on that. You know, life is a marathon, and when you're running the race, there are people in the stands who will cheer you and people that will jeer you. Not everybody's going to be happy for you. But you've got to settle that in your heart long before you start running the race. But you focus on what God has called you to do. Listen, 
You handle critics and compliments the same way as you chew gum. You chew on it a while, then you spit it out. But you certainly don't swallow it. Right? So you can't keep chewing on the compliments and the critics all the time. You take it in long enough to see if there's any truth in it, then you spit out. Billy Graham once said, well, what do I do with all the critics, the criticism in my life? He said, if you wrestle with a pig, both of you are going to get muddy. Right? Right? So only one of you is going to like it. And let me tell you something. The pig is the only one that's going to love it. So if you're going to be a leader, you don't listen to critics or compliments for very long. I want you to get that as well. If you're a leader, you don't listen to critics or compliments very long. You say, I know who I am, humbly before the Lord. I know what God has called me to do, and I know what he wants me to accomplish. And you keep moving forward and know that you're out to please the one. You don't have to be liked by everybody in order to be happy. The fact is God already loves you unconditionally. You have all of the love of God that you will ever need right now in this moment. In every moment that you walk with the Lord, you will have that as well. That he loves you unconditionally. Here's my question. Who are you depending on for your happiness? Who are you depending on? So many people are depending on other people, situations, circumstances, things, whatever it may be, for their happiness. If my husband would just change, then I could really be happy. If that was your New Year's resolution, you need to find a new one. <laughs> if my girlfriend, if my boyfriend, if my wife would just change, then I'll be happy. If I just had a different boss, if I could get married, then I would be happy. No, you won't. That's a joke. What? That's, that, that's, that's a myth. The fact is, you're a sinner, they're a sinner, you both married imperfect people. And now you need to work at working at that and getting better at those relationships that are imperfect. No, they're not going to make you happy. What defines the happiness in your life? What is the ultimate motivation in life? It's the motive that Jesus modeled in John 17, 14, 17, 4. He says, I have brought you, talking to God the Father, glory on earth by completing the work that you gave to me. I accomplished what you've put me on this earth to do, and I brought you glory. That is the ultimate motivation, living for the global glory of God. Living for that. Fourth principle. Great leadership through Jesus is the principle of collaboration. Can you say collaboration? That means working with a team, working with a group of people, working with others. Leadership is never by itself. It's always in the context of a team, small group, mentoring group, somebody, in a team that you're together. All great leaders are great team builders. All great leaders. That's why you'll hear us stress all the time about relationship, and you think we're bothering you. No, because it's a principle of Jesus. Why do we want you to be a part of a team? Because it's a principle of Jesus, not because the church wants you to do another thing. How many are with me? It's getting real quiet in here. Are you with me? Well, this church just has another thing for it. No, we want you to be like Jesus, so you need to collaborate with others so that your life can have a great and mighty impact for the kingdom. 
right? You cannot be a leader, you know, on your own. We are great because we're together, because then we see the whole picture. You have multiplicity of people. We compensate for each other's weaknesses, amen? That's why we're constantly stressing relationship. Again, Jesus was the model. He never did any ministry by himself. Mark 3, he, Jesus, appointed 12, the disciples, designating them as apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, that they might be with him so that he could talk to them, spend time with them, and then send them out. Why did he choose 12? Why didn't he choose 50? Why didn't he choose 100? Why didn't Jesus choose 1,000? Because listen, Jesus could effectively mentor 1,000 people because he's Jesus, he's the son of God, and he's the son of man. He could have done it. But why did he just choose 12? I mean, you look at this, he just chose that amount because Jesus knew if you get more than 12 people in a small group, somebody stops talking and somebody stops listening. Right? You get too many people in the group, and boy, I tell you what, you got a lot of chiefs in the group. Right? Because listen, there's always people. What happens? People just shut down. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord, help me. It's true. It's, it, it, this is a concept that Jesus gives to us. Listen, if God gives you a vision that, and that idea is really from God, God will bring other people around you to see that vision and dream in your life come about. If you have a dream and a vision and there's nobody around you, that vision and dream is not from God. Are you with me, church? Well, I got this great vision and great dream. Well, let me tell you how God works through great visions and great dreams. He brings and collaborates other people and brings them together to make the dream happen. So you start praying, God, bring people into my life supernaturally, whatever it may be. So we need to know that, that we are made for this community. Why don't we accept help from each other? Two reasons, insecurity and pride. We want to do it on our own because you know this, if you're a loner, you're not a leader. Stu Weber said, every soldier needs a battle buddy and every pilot needs a wingman. Life is a battle. Leadership is a battle. Your ministry will be a battle. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt emotionally. People will take advantage of you. People will stab you in the back. I, I'm, I'm, we're just here trying to be plain about leadership today. I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm just saying straight out, this is Jesus. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great. There's compliments. There's encouragement. We need that. I understand that. But you need to know that in your life, in your leadership, do you have one person in your life who's strong enough spiritually to drag you off the battlefield and nurse you back to health when you go through the tough times? More important, are you that kind of person to somebody else? Is there anybody that you can depend on today or are you a loner? Even Jesus needed human companionship. When we look at the word, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he brings Peter, James, and John around and he says, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Remember that? Even to the point of death, I feel like dying. 
And I'm not even on a cross yet. I need you to grieve with me. I need other people around. Stay here and keep watch with me was his words. Even Jesus needs a small group in his grief. If you're going through grief today, you need a small group of people. He didn't say, stay here and give me great advice. He said, stay here and be with me. Maybe it's just hugging me. Maybe it's just standing there and being present. Just be with me. Just be with me. Fifth, there's a principle we weren't learned from the life of Jesus. It's a principle of concentration. Can you say that with me? It's a decision to focus on what's important. Life is filled with distractions. You know all of them well. We got cell phones going off, devices that are going off. I think this is the only time in church I wish a cell phone would go off to make a point. Some of you are reaching for your cell phone to make sure it's off or muted right now. Right? Our lives are so filled with distractions, so much busyness, it's easy to miss out on what's most important in life. And not only distractions, there are a lot of good things that, that, that come along in our life as well, but they steal away from us. And the enemy is constantly trying to get us off the plan of God and get us distracted from what God has promised and what he's called us to lead in. Again, Jesus is our model, Luke 9, 51. As the time grew near for his return to heaven, Jesus, he moved steadily onward towards Jerusalem with an iron will. He moved how? With an iron will. You remember at one point, the crowds had pushed him out to the cliff, had him up against the cliff, but Jesus said no. He pushed through the crowd and said, no, I am on my way to Jerusalem because God has called me for a purpose to do this. He pushed through the crowd. Their intent was to kill him. There's so many barriers and distractions in our world. The barrier of deciding what's really important is so vital. Luke 9, 62. Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. Powerful. He was serious because he said it's dangerous. The sixth foundation, learning to lead like Jesus is the principle of meditation. Can you say meditation? Listen to God continually. Listen to God throughout your day. Make listening to God a habit of your life. The Bible tells us in Mark 1, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went out in a solitary place where he prayed. We think prayer is just talking to God, but that is only half right. Prayer is a conversation, and it goes both ways. This morning, I got up, came over to the church, came into my office, looked at my notes, and then took the time, probably like many of you today, and got on my knees and prayed because, God, I need your help. I need you because I cannot do this on my own. And I felt in that moment just that solitary, peaceful calm of the Holy Spirit come over me. Some of you are like, I don't even know how people pray for 30, 40, 50 minutes, hours. Well, listen, maybe just starting off the first 10 minutes of you talking to God and then take 10 minutes just to be quiet and listen in prayer. Listen, God will speak to you. 
because he loves you. I mean, you look at this. So many people are frightened by silence, aren't they? Things are quiet. It's like, whoa, what just happened? Everything's freaky in the world. Everything just went out of whack. It's just quiet. No. Right? No matter how busy Jesus was, he got alone with the Lord. He got alone with his Father. Luke 5 says, news about Jesus spread even more and more. Crowds begin to hear him. He, he's a, he, he is so, oh my goodness, people were like, Jesus, Jesus, they're following him. They're after him. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray often, that, that habit of praying often. Pascal said, all of man's problems comes from his inability to sit still. Some of you in this room, you can't even sit still. Lord, help me. I've got to move here. I've got ADD, and I see it in you. I see it in you. I see you. I see you. You can't even sit still for a few moments. I mean, you're just, you know. All man, so that's so true because Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. You can't know God unless you're still. If you're always moving, you're always busy, you're always listening to something, I mean, that's, would you agree that that noise is a stress? You need time to get alone. Because Colossians 2.7 says, plant your roots in Christ. Let him be the foundation of your life. Be strong in your faith. This is the foundation of good leadership. The point is you can't lead like Jesus until you know Jesus personally. That means you're going to have to disconnect from this, this old thinking and sinful life, and you're going to have to reconnect to him. Seven. This is the last principle. It's a fun one. It's the principle of relaxation, which means take time to recharge your batteries. Take time to recharge. Why? Because leadership and life, they're draining. Leadership is hard work. And leadership means you have to, in the long haul, you have to take time to recharge your batteries. And we find Jesus, and we see him living the principles, Mark 6.31. Crowds of people were coming and going, so the disciples didn't even have time to eat. That's pretty busy, wouldn't you say? He said to them, come away by yourselves, and we'll go to a lonely place to get some rest. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, hey, you've been ministering all day. They're tired. He says, fellows, you deserve a break today. And now it's time to go. And we need to get a little rest because we need to recharge our batteries because you know what? There's always gonna be the next thing. There's always gonna be the next thing. There's always gonna be the next thing. We're gonna have to help somebody, pray with somebody, put our arm around them, go with them and drag them out of the battlefield or whatever it may be. But he said, you know, I, you know what? You need to come. You need to come with me. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you out. I love King James version of this. It says, come ye apart for ye to rest. If you don't come apart to rest occasionally, you're going to come apart. Your life will dismantle. I've had people tell me, I'm working seven days a week, pastor. Really? How is that going for you? How is that going for your marriage, sir, ma'am? 
I mean, listen, you better make compensation right now to tell God who's in control of your life because the Sabbath day rest in the Bible, what you were saying, oh, you could work and so could I for seven days a week. Wow, that sounds glamorous because why? I'm just trying to get more overtime so the government can get more taxes. Oh, tell the truth and shame the devil today. Come on. What? So how is that working for you? But you better make time in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. How did you tell God you were in control? God, you are in control of my life. It's the Sabbath day rest. God, I don't have this whole thing figured out. You are the source and you are God. Well, God's like, well, show me. Show enough. Sabbath day rest. You're telling God, God, you are in control. You're the source of my life when you take a Sabbath day rest. Jesus modeled this. And, and he, he modeled rest, recreation. They are never a waste of time. And Matthew eleven nineteen 19 says, Jesus came enjoying life. He came enjoying life. I love that. And, and what, what it was, and I'm gonna say this quick because I wasn't able to break this down for the first service. But listen, the Pharisees were accusing Jesus that he was a glutton and a wine bibber, a glutton and a drunk. The worst thing they could accuse Jesus of is that this guy's a party animal. I mean, come on. I mean, what, Jesus, you only go to parties all the time. No, Jesus knew how to enjoy life because listen, when he went to the party, he influenced other people to godliness doesn't mean you're taking part of their lifestyle. It just means as you walk in the door, I'm influencing you. I love you, man. I don't have it all figured out, but man, some of the worst things they could convict him of. But Jesus came enjoying life. As a leader, you carry a load. That doesn't mean you're walking around frowning all the time. You're enjoying life. You're not just here to endure it. You take time to recharge just like Jesus did. He served, he pulled back, he served, he pulled back, he served, he pulled back. He had times of rest. And so the last part of this is as we finish, would you just stand to your feet with me today? Because these are the last couple of points I wanna give you before we're, we head out of here. Is this first one is divert daily, means every day do something fun. When you come home from work, you have a hobby, you paint, you know, you play an instrument, with your family, whatever it may be, you do that. Different things relax different people, so it's not like I can just say one. You know, we're all wired differently, but you need to divert daily and you need to withdraw weekly. Every week you take a day off, you relax and you restore. Get those batteries recharged. And then annually, you abandon. Abandon annually. You, you get out and you just practice creative loafing. How's that sound? So it's better to have loafed and lost than never have lo lo loafed at all. What a principle. I mean, take that one, put that in your pipe, smoke that one today as we get ready to leave here. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus, the greatest leader ever. You are the perfect leader. Lord, I'm asking you to raise up the greatest leaders of the 21st century in this house. Lord, I speak to every age group. I speak to children and young people in this place. I speak to adults, young adults those in their later years, that God, you are not finished with us yet, but God, you have a great and mighty calling upon us. And I pray that we would rise to the occasion, Lord Jesus. We would not shrink back. The world is in need of godly, godly, 
good leadership in this very hour. Father, I thank you for your spirit to help us, give us the strength and us Holy Ghost boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said,